Again, free thinkers, and welcome back to the Free Thought Project podcast. My name is Jason Bassler, and joining me is the Free Thought Project editor in chief, Matt Agarist. Well, today, guys, we had the opportunity to talk to a former political prisoner who participated in the January 6th protest at the Capitol in Washington, D.C. And as you will hear from his story and firsthand experience, what the media told us about that day was not the truth. And I suppose that's not a big surprise, right? But more importantly, according to Scott's account, he believes the entire event was orchestrated to likely demonize the right and Trump supporters. Now, I know what you're thinking, and at one point, I too was extremely skeptical of the MAGA movement's claims of coordinated sabotage. However, after interviews with journalist Ben Swan, and now with Scott Fairlam, Looking closely at the events of this day, I do believe there is more to the equation than what we've been told. With that said, don't trust me, don't listen to me or my subjective interpretation. Scott Fairlam was there, he was on the front lines that day, and later watched his rights be eviscerated in front of his eyes while he was sentenced to 41 months in prison. Now Scott believes this event was performative, and from what we've seen since then, with the way that the federal government has targeted and lambasted and vilified the right and capitalized on the event with theatrics and platitudes, it really shouldn't be too far out of the equation to believe it was indeed a setup. So here's our conversation with former political prisoner and January 6th protester, Scott Fairlam. God, thanks so much for joining us today, brother, and welcome to the Free Thought Project podcast. Man, I'm just so excited to be on this uh, this podcast. I've been following you for uh, quite some time, and uh, the truth that you get out there, man, uh, very admirable, and I admire what you do. Uh, keep uh, towing the line, brother. Thank you, man. Well, we're excited to talk to you as well. Um, we were just mentioning, you know, before the podcast started that uh, in December, we spoke to uh, the well-known journalist Ben Swan about his recent docu-series about the January 6th event. And there are a lot of aspects that day that, you know, still need to be answered. And Ben's reporting, you know, centered around some of the various provocateurs and agitators who instigated the crowds and suggested to, you know, quote, storm the Capitol. And, uh, you know, I, I definitely want to talk about that. But Today, we kind of get a little bit of a different look and perspective on January 6th, and um, that's because you were there. And not only were you there, uh, you ended up becoming a political prisoner, um, which stems from that day after a judge sentenced you to 41 months in prison uh, after you pleaded guilty to a charge of assaulting a police officer and, of course, uh, illegally entering the Capitol armed with a dangerous police baton. 
Uh, now, of course, the media paraded you around, paraded your, your name around, your image as you know one of these evil Trump-supporting insurrectionists. Uh, but we wanted to hear your side of the story because you know the information on the internet could obviously be wildly incorrect. But before we get into that, you know, just a little background on you. Uh, you're a retired professional boxer, uh, MMA fighter. Uh, you own a gym, uh, a boxing gym, if I'm not mistaken, in New Jersey. Uh, you have family that was in law enforcement. And in fact, you know, you're just saying right here before we got on that you used to be law enforcement yourself, which, you know, I think is kind of important context here. So for our listeners who aren't familiar with you or your story, why don't you go ahead and start from the beginning and feel free to include as much detail that you think is relevant. And I think, you know, we should start there and we could go ahead and discuss more specific questions after you tell your side of the story. Sure. Uh, well, hmm, where to begin? Um, January 6th was, uh, was a, uh, oh, man, what a monumental, uh, uh, um, day. Um, you know, my day, my morning started out, should I say, um, by being, being woken up, uh, roughly three thirty, four o'clock in the morning, um, with a purpose, um, you know, and, uh, I ultimately was woken up. I had, uh, leaned over and kissed my now ex-wife. As a result of all this, uh, you know, told her I was heading to the Capitol and um, hopped in my truck, drove down to the Capitol by myself, um, got there so early that I actually thought that uh, I was there on the wrong day um, because there was really nobody, nobody present at that time. Um, but I had made a video once I got down there and I was parked and it was uh, along the lines of like, how willing, how, how far are you willing to go to defend your freedoms? And, um, a, a, a buddy of mine, uh, that I had ridden bikes with, um, had hit me up and he said, uh, Hey man, we're going to be down there too. We'll be down there in, in, in quite, you know, in, in a little bit of time. He's like, why don't you meet us over at the firehouse? Um, that was right next to the Capitol. Right. So, the, he, he was a fireman. Um, so I, I met him over there. They opened up the gates. We went inside, had breakfast with the fireman right there. Um, there was no discussion of politics, you know, it was just a, a good time, a good morning. Um, so I ended up parking there in the, uh, in that parking, uh, parking lot and, uh, behind the fence and, uh, walked up to the ellipse with, with, with a group of guys. Um, many that I just met, like four guys that I just met and, uh, you know, an acquaintance of mine, a friend of mine that I had ridden uh, motorcycles with. So we went up there and, uh, you know, we, we listened to, uh, you know, several people speak, I forget the direct, you know, or the, the, the order in which it went, but I remember, uh, I remember standing there and just, and, and being in such awe. Um, it was nothing but, but a sea of red. As far as you could, the eyes could see, you saw red, you saw the red, the white, the blue, and just everybody was on the same page of just like how proud they were and how proud they, you know, how, how, how much they really loved their country. Everybody walking by each other, saying hello, shaking hands. And, and it, was, it was, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. So I listened to uh, everybody speak and I listened to uh, president Trump speak. And, um, you know, he, he specifically had said, you know, um, we're going to, we're going to march down to the Capitol, uh, and peacefully protest and have our voices heard. Um, I didn't intend on going down to the Capitol. Um, but once I had that, I was like, oh, you know what? Let's go. So I grabbed, I think, a hot dog or, you know, a pretzel of soda or something on the way down. 
<laughs> walk down there to the Capitol. And then the closer I got to the Capitol, and once I got on the lawn, the level of, of, of escalation, like you could see off in the distance, it was, it was pretty wild. Like you could already see there was like somewhat of a haze of like gases being, being sprayed. The sound of, of what seemed to be, you know, uh, flashbangs or percussion grenades. Um, and that was enough for me. I had seen violence occurring and, and, and the outright brutality so were there already people there? Like, so there was a bunch of people yes. at the Trump rally, and then there was also a, a separate protest. No, that see that the violence had already kicked off before Trump even said we were going down there. Oh, the timeline that. of that is so is so misconstrued and so false. It's the, the narrative that was pushed. Oh yeah, everybody ran down there once they the Trump said we're going to peacefully protest at the cat. No, that didn't happen. That was already kicking off. Hmm. There were. There were so many instigators, agitators, and motivators supplied by the F supplied by the FBI or the FBI themselves. Uh, you could see them. You could literally see them in the crowd, instigating, agitating, motivating with their earpieces, talking into their scarf. I saw so much communication amongst these agents that when I was the first person into that, well, one of the first people into that capital. Uh, um, when I had when I had walked in, I had turned around when I had gotten to the almost to the rotunda. I had looked up, and there were so many cameras around that rotunda. You, you could tell it was a setup. Every one of those cameras, people taking, they were up there with the, you know uh, uh, zoom lenses, snapping away. And I got right to that, almost to the edge of where I was looking at the rotunda, and I was like, nope, not supposed to be here. Hmm. I turned around. When I turned around, I was walking out. Now this is the first like sea of people coming in, right? And uh, I'll never forget this 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 guy who's who was clearly an agent. Was uh, he got mad at me and he said uh, he said where are you going? You're going the wrong fucking way. <laughs> and uh, I remember saying to him, no, 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 boy, you are. You're going the wrong fucking way. And that's when I walked out. Yeah, it was uh, it was nuts. It was nuts. The whole the whole thing was just crazy. But that. Trump didn't incite or instigate or do any of that shit. It was already kicking off, um, clearly, because I stayed until his speech was over and then marched down there. There's no way that somebody outran me, you know, down Presidential Ave or whatever it was, or Constitutional Way or whatever. There's no way. So uh, when I had seen that that violence in the distance, um, I'm not one to stick around. I'm not one to just, you know to whip out my cell phone and, and take footage and not get involved. Um, I don't stand around. I lead the way. And I uh, decided to just, you know, it sounds cliche and I've said it before, but like Mel Gibson and the Patriot, I kind of started off on a slow jog. I looked at those guys and I was like, hey, man, I'll see you later. And I started off into a slow jog, which became a, a sprint. And I made my way to the front of the front of the line. And it was a war zone, I'm guessing. 100%. I was shot repeatedly um, with with pepper balls and, and other, you know, uh, um, munitions of the like. Um, I was on that scaffolding. I was shot probably 30 plus times at, at maybe 30 feet wow. plus in the air. Um, once I hunkered down and I was holding on to the, to, the, to the thick railing, I was continuously shot in the kneecap from the catwalk just above me. 
Uh, yeah, it was uh, it was something else, you know. And it, what I saw was so many of these officers that were clearly not trained um, in the in the use of uh, flashbangs, tear gas, pepper spray. So many of these officers were 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 so unequipped. And and uh, and not and didn't have the 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 knowledge on how to use all these these forms of what would be considered mechanical mechanical force, right? Or deadly force, you know. Um, so watching them deploy flashbacks, is, is, it, it reminds me of seeing your nephew throw with his opposite hand for the first time. <laughs> and I think that probably makes sense, right? I mean, these aren't necessarily officers that see a lot of action, especially if they were Capitol Police. So they probably don't have a lot right. of experience, you know, deploying things like tear gas or pepper balls or, or whatever they were using on you guys. Now, you just sure. mentioned that, um, you know, you, you felt like Mel Gibson and, and the Patriot uh, storming up to, to the front there, the front lines. But I, I've seen some footage of you, and it, it seems like it was more like you were Mel Gibson and Braveheart because you were uh, <laughs> <laughs> you were uh, quite quite enraged, quite uh, amped up. And where along the timeline, um, you know, you're just discussing the events of that day, where along the timeline did the, quote, assault uh, with the police officer where you it looked like you gave him a little nudge and a little bitch slap to me, but I mean, where where did that happen? When when did that play? So what? So what people don't uh, don't realize because obviously the media doesn't put the full um, video out there, or did they really put out the the entirety of the events that day? Um, in fact, I never even I still haven't seen my evidence. <laughs> the, every time that my evidence showed up at, at the DC jail, it made its way to the garbage can. Um, so I've never seen my evidence. Um, I was going to ask you about that. I heard you talk about the, uh, on the, um, the, that, the fighter champ and the tramp podcast a while back. Um, you had mentioned that you had, you had told a story that I'd never heard before where you actually escorted, like help get like some cops out of there that were, absolutely. uh, Oh yeah. And they tested. So they, they, um, they cooperated my story. So what happened was, on the top left, if you're looking at the front of the Capitol there, on the top, the top left, to the left there, there was a stoop of about maybe four or five stairs. I have a still picture of it. Um, and they, uh, these four Capitol riot officers had been uh, accidentally locked out of this stoop. And um, they were getting hit and pelted with, with a lot of different uh, things, many of which were you know water bottles and this and that. But it, it did it did uh, escalate um, into into physical violence, um, and I saw them uh, uh, um, really get taken down. I had dove onto the ground uh, to protect one of the the, the guy in the front. Um, uh, uh, he was a Capitol riot officer. They were in full ironclad riot gear with gas masks, face shields, and, and full body armor. Um, I dropped down on the ground. And uh, uh, as a, another man was getting a running start to kick him in the face, I put my arm in front of him um, and blocked him. Uh, I then looked at him as I grabbed his by his uh, his protective vest. And uh, I said, you guys have to get the fuck out of here. You are going to get killed. I picked him up. Uh, they, they reassembled back on the stairs. Um, I offered them water. 
um, to, to which he, you know, he obviously had his gas mask on. He said, he said we can't, and he leaned in. He's like, we, we can't, we have, we need to keep our masks on. He turned around, talked to his guys, the other three guys, turned back around to me. He said, hey, can you get us out of here? And I said, yes. I said, fucking fall in in a stack formation and I will clear this crowd. So uh, that's what they did. Um, they dropped in behind me. I brought them right along the foundation there back to their group. Once I brought them back into the front where their where their unit was waiting for them, I was immediately as soon as I turned that corner, I was I was lit up, um, you know, red dotted up. Uh, I, I had a, numerous rifles on me, um, to which they said, you know, they couldn't really be heard, so they had the OK symbol up in the air, like like no, he's okay, he's okay, he's okay. Um, so I dropped them, <laughs> I dropped them off, and uh, I go back to where I was. And um, that's when 23 minutes later, um, as per the judge, which I want to include here is that these four officers were interviewed um, under oath. Hmm. And the two front guys um, that I let out of there corroborated my story. The other two just didn't happen to remember, um, but didn't deny the story. So it's, it's on record. And it's, it was spoken. It was spoken about by my judge, Royce Lambert, um, during my sentencing um, that he specifically said, Mr. Fairlam, how do you go from saving four capital riot officers um, to then 23 minutes later assaulting a Metro police officer? And I said, that's easy. I said, because I was assaulted first. Right. And that's exactly what happened. Once Metro PD came into the, into the picture, um, once they were in the picture and you could see them marching through the crowd like stormtroopers, uh, you were it was easily... Uh, seen that they were in fact hitting people as they were going through the crowd. Um, and I'm not talking people standing in front of them, impeding, obstructing, or assaulting. If you notice in that video, I'm standing to the side of them. Mm -hmm. You could yell whatever the fuck you want at an officer that's going through in a situation like that. We've seen it time and time again. It's not impeding, it's not obstructing, and it's not assaulting. What you'll see is that that video is so edited from the from the drop? All they show is my my reaction, uh, um, and turning and pushing right away. Right, all you see is me turn and just push a cop. Right, you're like, wow, this guy's unhinged. Well, he pushed the cop for no fucking reason. That's not the case. Yeah. What happened was the officer that I pushed was he was the tail end of that that uh, uh, um, convoy, so to speak. Right, you see him break file, and literally flank around me to my left as the woman with the body cam footage backs up and turns to the right okay she she backs away to the right and pans onto me now i am also able to kind of hear something be said in the beginning of that video if you really turn it up and i think they say there's scott hmm. now my hearing ain't that good but a bunch of other people seem, seem to hear it too so what happened was um, the camera's on me. He he specifically flanks, leaves his it leaves his file. Okay, goes around me to the left. And when he goes around me to the left, that's when I'm assaulted. I get I get hit in the ribs with a baton. As soon as I'm hitting the ribs when I, with the baton, that's when you see me react quickly. Yeah. All I do is turn. I turn and react, and I just push a cop. I turn around, not knowing who's behind me. Right. Not yeah. knowing who's behind me because the cops are in front of me. Why would a cop be behind me now? I turn, I push him right away. As the officer comes at me, I put my hands up in a defensive posture, and you can clearly hear me, hear me say, do not fucking touch me, right? 
at that point, at that point, I wasn't told to, uh, uh, um, I wasn't told to, uh, I was being detained. I wasn't told uh, uh, I was being arrested. I wasn't given any verbal commands, actually. None whatsoever. And that's when he goes ahead and smacks my hand down. And when he does that, I defend myself, and I strike him back with a simple jab to his face shield. Yeah, a little slap to a helmet. Of course. Of course. But this is a guy who had just assaulted you without telling you to do anything, or, yeah, without giving Correct. you a command to disperse or anything no, like that. No, I was not. And you didn't, didn't see him. Correct. Man, if you watch that video, it looks like you're the aggressor in that situation. I'm not gonna lie. Whenever, uh, of course, whenever Jason said we were having you on, like, oh shit, this guy fucking, this guy fucking beat up a cop at the fucking in front of the Capitol. But uh, I mean, we, obviously, we didn't know the whole story, so it's not like I, I, I just straight assume that, which is why you're on the podcast right now. We're talking about it, and that makes perfect right. sense, dude. Someone comes up behind me and hits me right in the fucking kidneys with a anything, you know, my natural instinct is going to be to turn around and immediately strike, you know, or do something like that. So, yeah, well, I, I totally understand. Then you understand uh, you know, it. I mean, brother, uh, so I don't care who it is. I don't care if I don't care if it's the Pope. If somebody comes up from behind me and hits me or puts their hands on me, they're getting it. Sure. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's a natural reaction. That's what I was just saying before. It, um, uh, and I'll never change. It, it looked like a natural reaction too. It didn't look like it was something that was premeditated from the video, you know. And of course, slick sure. editing will, will make that, you know, that will change that appearance. But um, of so I, I'm curious, you know, you mentioned that you saw a bunch of uh, feds and, and undercovers, um, and of course, you know, we now know. And I mean, even right after it happened, we saw videos of cops, you know, letting people into the gates. Uh, later, more recently, we've seen officers letting people into the capitals, opening doors for them. Was there ever a time where you kind of expected to see a, a bigger police presence or even the Nas National Guard? Were you ever ever like kind of wondering like why there was so few officers on the ground there uh, considering the circumstances? So for me, being up like being up in the front, it wasn't like a, a real clear picture for me. Like I remember... Uh, yeah, I do. You know what? When I got up there to the left side of that uh, of the Capitol up there, and I remember seeing two guys that had occupied uh, motorized window scaffolding, and uh, they started taking it up. And I remember looking around, and we were it was packed, and I'm talking right up to the front doors of our Capitol. And I remember saying, um, "It's over." It's over. They just there. There's no way they'll gain control of this. Mm -hmm. And uh, I mean, at that point, of course, I remember seeing a couple guys walk, literally walking on the uh, on the sill, the sills of that second or third floor of the Capitol there, right. and just walk, like walk, like literally walking around on it. And I was like, this went to hell in a handbasket real quick. Sure. Yeah, that's that's what I wanted to ask. Right, so obviously they had some people there that thought they were going to like take prisoners and shit. You know, they had the guy with the zip ties and all that. And, um, yeah, that was Eric. Yeah. Like, I, I was mean, locked, I, I was locked up with him. Oh, no kidding. I was locked up with every single, every person that you was, well, it was considered like the 45, the worst of the worst. So I was uh, there for all. Yeah, well, that's what I want to know. Like, so what was the, what was the, the, the theme there? What did like the, the people that worked, doing violence that you, you know, that you said you were trying to stop early on. 
what, what, what were they trying to accomplish? Were, was there like, were there a bunch of people thinking that they were going to go in there and like take the capital over and, and be like, yeah. Or was it mostly just people that were, like you said earlier, feeling patriotic and, you know, and, you know, just, we're just listening to Trump give a speech and, what, what was the majority there? I, I'm guessing the majority were. Well, here's the, here, I mean, here's the thing. If you really want to, if you if you really get down to the, you know, the base of it, right? If anybody's going to overthrow a government, wouldn't they want to be armed? Yeah, right. That's what, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, but like that guy Eric, right? He did. He had fucking zip tie. He was playing. And he was with. And, and he was with. And he was with his mom. <laughs> Eric Munch, Eric Munchell is the Eric Eric Munchell is the good dude. He was with his mom. In fact, he had a they had a, he had a knife on him that he left outside the Capitol and behind a shrub because he didn't want to bring it inside. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, I like. There's so many things. Like I get it. He looked like a fucking paratrooper going in there. Scaling over the wall, he was larping in, huh? inside, inside, you know, inside inside Congress and like zip ties and shit. Like I get it. That's fucking. That looked a little nutty to me. I get it for sure. <laughs> I was in no tactical gear. I had no face covering because I don't believe in a fucking face diaper. And <laughs> and I mean, I had on red fluorescent red sneakers. <laughs> it wasn't like I was trying not to get no. You know what I mean? Sure. Right. Yeah. Well, I'm sure if yeah you were really training, planning on uh, storming the Capitol, as Ray Epps said, I'm sure you've been a little more prepared. Maybe some body armor, mm. some level four plates, and uh, I don't know. Yeah, some weaponry something. or something. You know, but um, I mean something, right? Sure. You can totally overthrow a government with a megaphone and you know, like a stick. Like, that's <laughs> usually how all these revolutions happen. <laughs> a flag, a flagpole. Yeah. <laughs> right. Those flagpoles murdered like eight officers that day, right? That's oh my saying. god! Every single one of them, right? Every <laughs> single one of them. That's another thing. I, that's another thing I'd like to get into. Um, is evidence that I've seen, um, against the 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 lies that they've testified over uh, this this Dunn, um, uh, Officer Dunn, Harry Dunn. He's full. He's full of shit. Uh, Michael Fanone. He couldn't be any more full of shit. He's he's a terrible actor. Um, I watched his body cam footage from from beginning to end that day. Um, he's full of shit. In fact, I watched him on his body cam footage go out the back, be assessed by uh, um, the medic um, behind the Capitol. The medic specifically states, um, do you have any bumps, bruises, cuts? Anything we didn't know about? Are you all right? You've been hitting the head, this, that, the other thing? He said, no. This is the guy that supposedly just got fucking tasered behind the neck eight times. Right. Right? Wow. Right? Yeah. I see him, I see him walk through the Capitol, go to an elevator that isn't working, walk around all the way to the other elevator, right? He gets on that. Finally, I see him take his body cam footage, pretend that he's passing out, and you could see him literally angle the body cam footage so that he's looking like so it's catching him like laying down. It's a it's wow. a fucking joke. Well, I mean, yeah, that's something I, I wanted to talk about as well because uh, Enrique Tario, the the founder of uh, Proud Boys, you know, he was sentenced to twenty two years. Stuart Rowe, right. uh, you know, he was the founder of Oath Keepers. He was sentenced to eighteen. Uh, Joe Biggs, the the old uh, Infowars guy, seventeen years. 
Uh, Kelly Meggs, you know, another 12 years. You got 41 months. Um, it should be noted that, you know, the one officer who they claim died on January 6th, uh, Brian Sicknick, actually died the next day of natural causes, even though the feds claimed he, you know, he died in the line of duty. And they're still still sticking to that as as well, even though the autopsy is out and everything. But uh, sure. so they tried pin, they tried pinning that on George Tanyos and Julian Crater, two great guys with Jersey roots um, who, uh, who ultimately, if they could have pinned that on them. You best believe they would have. They turned down $18 million bond offering um, that, that that Julian put up, and they denied it. Wow. The kid's never been in trouble in his entire life, in his entire life. Um, Kelly, Kelly Meggs, great guy. Spent a lot of time with him in D.C. DC jail. Great guy, and it's, a, it's, it's, it's an injustice. Sure. Well, yeah, exactly. And, you know, to contrast that on the flip side, you know, the one person who was killed by a Capitol Police officer was Ashley Babbitt. Uh, and of course, you know, uh, no, 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 she's not the only one. You're missing, you're missing, you're missing some, bud. You're missing, you're missing Roseanne Boylan, who was pregnant and beaten 35 times over the head by Twyla Morris from the Capitol Police in the Lower West Terrace. They, yeah. said, they said that she died of a fucking fentanyl. Bullshit. She had an Adderall prescription. Interesting. Wow. Yeah, I'll definitely have to look into that. It sounds horrific. And her name is her name is Roseanne Boylan. There is footage out. I've seen it. I wouldn't. I don't talk on things that I do not know. Sure. I was able to see it, see the see the evidence, and actually see Twyla Morris's badge number on her helmet. She hits her thirty five times over the head with a stick. Wow. Jesus. In the same tunnel. In the same tunnel that the lieutenant. From the Capitol Police and his white shirt takes a baton and and beats the shit with his hand and a baton out of Victoria White out of New York, represented by Joseph McBride, who has now filed a huge lawsuit um, uh, uh, for police brutality against this officer and the Capitol. He literally takes this baton, flips it around, and eye pokes her in the fucking eye. She had to have facial reconstructive surgery, and her, her life will never be the same. She was unarmed and and. And got pushed into an area that so many people did, like cattle to the slaughter that had no way out. Right. Well, I mean, that that kind of highlights the the point I'm trying to get at here. I guess it's more of a question. But, you know, I mean, Babbitt had zero legal recourse, you know, and the officer who killed her was cleared. Uh, with the determination that the shooting was lawful and within department policy. So obviously there's a huge contrast here, you know, like some of these people who literally walked into the Capitol uh, and quote planned it, uh, got 22 years, 18 years, 17 years, but somebody who actually took somebody else's life, you know, got uh, zero and they, they were, you know, got off cleared from all charges. So that kind of, it kind of highlights and I guess points at the fact that like this is more or less just a dog and pony show to kind of vilify Trump supporters and the MAGA movement, uh, especially with the sentences and double standards I mentioned. But like, how much do you feel like that was the case? Like this was all planned to vilify Trump supporters. Are you ready for it? Go ahead and look back at the video of Roseanne being shot, right? Right before, uh, not Roseanne, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, Ashley, Ashley. Ashley Babbitt, right? And uh, go back to right, right before she's shot. There's two SWAT officers standing right next to her. Mm. She receives, or well, excuse me, they receive radio transmission and walk away from her for seconds before she's shot. Mm. If she was such 
a threat, unarmed, unarmed again. Yep. She was such a threat. Why didn't they detain her, hold her right there? Why instead did they let Zach, who was locked up with me, who I sniffed out right away as an, as an Antifa punk coward, why, why was he allowed to take his helmet and smash that window 15 times until it broke? Why did they shoot him? Mm. Hmm. Interesting, isn't it? Yeah. I would suggest going back and looking at that tape. Um, and you will see clearly that they receive radio transmission and, and walk away from Ashley Babbitt seconds before she's shot and killed. I appreciate that insight. I mean, I guess zooming out though, and like the larger picture, do you think that this whole entire thing was kind of set up to specifically vilify Trump supporters? Without a doubt. Okay. The DC jail was, the DC jail was cleaned out um, just weeks before January 6th. Um, make no mistake about it. The, uh, the FBI uh, uh, um, field office, uh, um, head of the field office for, for D.C. or whatever it might be, he was actually the uh, the head of the Michigan field office that orchestrated the Gret botched Gretchen Whitmer plot, um, the Gretchen Whitmer plot, mm -hmm. uh, where 12 or eight, 12 or the 18, whatever so guys were FBI agents, informants. Uh, um, it was funded by the FBI that, that, that botched kidnapping of the uh, uh oh minnesota governor yeah mm -hmm. oh yeah so he they took him and put him down in front of in, in dc um just weeks before january 6th he actually went on the record um and stated that there were uh, uh so many fbi uh, uh agents in the crowd uh instigators agitators and motivators all that he said were likely to, were led to likely believe that they were there to incite violence he said there were so many that he wouldn't be able to give an accurate number wow this is all shit that I've been talking about on these other podcasts, right? But in the beginning, when you see the thing is when you know the truth and you've seen it, I mean, I will die on my sword speaking the truth. You know, I've seen this shit. I'm not I'm not I'm 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 not a conspiracy guy. I know, and what I know is that Trump requested 10,000 National Guard troops. Right, right. right. Now it's clear that Nancy Pelosi oversaw the security of the Capitol right there, that day, right? She was in, in charge of security operations for the Capitol. We know this. We know this now. Muriel Bowser, along with Nancy Pelosi denying these troops, Muriel Bowser has a handwritten letter out there denying and turning down 10,000 National Guard troops in her city. Right. That's not, that's something else, ain't it? Yeah, absolutely. And that actually aligns with um, the podcast we did with the journalist, Ben Swan. That's the same conclusion that he had come to. And that was kind of a, a big revelation when he shared that in the interview with us, because, um, you know, that that does definitely speak to some type of setup or some type of malicious premeditated act, you know. So um, speaking of which, and I, I know we've talked about, you know, instigators and agitators and everything. Um, from Ben Swan's investigation, he he looked into a suspicious character who was at the J6 protest that day, uh, Ray Epps. Now, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Ray Epps at all or not. And I, I should probably give a little background for our listeners who aren't familiar with Epps uh, before asking you the question. But Ray Epps gained attention after the events of the Capitol protest. Um, and he's been, you know, subject to conspiracy theories, claiming that he was involved in organizing the, quote, storming of the Capitol, as he called it. And of course, you know, that's the same exact terminology that the media used just a couple of days later. And uh, people are speculating that he had prior knowledge of the events and was instigating some of the disorderly conduct. 
Um, so yeah, definitely listen to that interview from early December with Ben Swan guys to hear about it. It was a great episode, but did it, did you ever cross paths with Ray Epps? And, um, what are your thoughts about his involvement now, three years later? He's a coward. He's a, he's a, he's a, he's a fed. Um, the reason why I never saw him was because the minute they, they put him on an FBI most wanted poster, they realized who he was and took him down. Remember there was a reward for information leading to the arrest of Ray Epps. Um, funny how they took that down right away, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's clear to see the night before you could even see him prepping. a. He did more. If there was somebody that it was inciting, it was this fucking guy. He He's down there with a megaphone the night before saying, we're, we're going to go inside the Capitol, right? right? right. We're going to go inside the Capitol. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, that's clear as day. He's just another protected uh, uh, a fed informant rat. And um, God sees all. His day of judgment will come. Sure. He's out there uh, at least a dozen times or more, literally inciting violence, literally telling thousands of people to storm the Capitol, to, you know, to take over the government. He's it's there's video evidence of this multiple from multiple sources, uh, like even going back um, this, this swan, investigation piece shows this behavior going back you know years and um right and he's he's long been this this type of person doing these things and uh and he got probation right you got 41 months and you reacted to being fucking snuck from behind you know by a baton it's right. uh yeah it's 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 evident man <laughs> it, it, the, there's a, there's something else out there with him too you could see the video of him uh where he provokes ryan sample from new jersey um at that uh, uh the bicycle rack um, which really kicked things off. You see him whisper into his ear, and um, and I believe that's when that uh, the bicycle rack uh, uh, um, gets cut, and uh, that that ultimately led to the to to, to like the, the real kickoff of everything. Sure. Again, again, which I'll state happened while Trump was speaking. Right. <laughs> well, I saw. So I, I, this is a question I wanted Incredible, to ask huh? you. Um, I mean, it's it's in this same vein, speaking of prison sentences, and I don't want to skip it over. So um, you were sentenced to 41 months. That was less than 41 months ago. So, so here's what I, here's what I did. I was sentenced to 41 months, right? It was, uh, it was my, my guidelines were 51 months to 41 months. I think Royce Lambert gave me the 41 months because of the evidence that came out by the FBI. They were the ones, I mean, nobody believed me. Uh, my lawyer at the time didn't even believe me that I, that I had helped um, four Capitol officers uh, to safety that day. Um, and while I was being spoken to and to the FBI and asked me about my, my the timeline of my day, um, when I had said that I had saved four Capitol officers from being rescued, um, they then provided me with the picture of me speaking with them. So they had, uh, they had literally provided me with a still shot and said that there is video um, of me helping those officers. Um, so that's why I got the 41 months, right? I did 11 months in solitary in DC. Um, I was then shipped out 80 plus days after I was sentenced. So they kept me in DC. Um, and that's when things really started kicking off. That's when the four officers came to my cell in the middle of the night for, uh, for leading everybody behind our doors, might I add, um, in singing of the national anthem. Um, I was then, uh, threatened by uh, Corporal Holmes of the SRT team, 
um, that when everybody woke up in the morning that I wouldn't be there. Um, to which I said, I'm not going anywhere. Um, well, they came back. Uh, I, I had said to them, you know, we're singing the national anthem, man. Um, what, you don't, you know, you don't like your country. And, uh, to which he said, fuck America. Um, I then responded with, you have the flag on your fucking arm. Oh boy. Um, and, uh, later on that night they came up and they popped, they popped my door. Um, and, uh, you know, specifically they're not allowed to come into your cell especially solitary, um, if you are not um, in any danger to yourself, which I clearly wasn't, um, as I've been mentally strong throughout this. And in fact, it's made me, I've always been a strong-minded man. Um, this, this, this made me stronger. Um, it brought me closer to God, my relationship with him, and, 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 and the events that occurred that night um, allowed me to now know that God is real. Um, for what he did for me that night, you know, I prayed, I prayed for the safety of that officer. Um, I know what I'm capable of. Um, and I was praying for his safety, um, as well as mine. And, um, when that, when that door got popped, two of the, uh, officers happened to know me and I developed a relationship with them. They were canine officers who had taken me monthly out to, uh, to, uh, Howard University Medical for my cancer treatments as I've had leukemia since 2010. Um, they, as this officer decides that he wants to turn off his body cam and come into my cell, they show an act of disrespect to him by turning their backs on him and literally putting their arms on the railing and not wanting to do anything with this. Um, the fourth officer was the one that unlocked the door. He had walked down the catwalk and was not a part of it in my cell. Um, Corporal Holmes then comes into my cell, um, gets as close to my face as he can. And you can see uh, as he's basically foaming out of the mouth um, that he wants to inflict pain on me. He wants to bring the hurt. And um, I made it known uh, um, as soon as he came into my cell and when he turned off his body cam, because nobody could see me at that point. We're all in solitary conditions. So I made it known. Uh, uh, why are you shut? Why are you turning off your camera and coming into my cell? Mm -hmm. um, with that being said, he continues to come in and I stood my ground. I stood my ground and I looked deep into his eyes and I, I saw the Holy Spirit enter his body. And um, I saw his whole demeanor change as he literally began to put on a, like a worried face and back up with like his hands up in front of him. Like as he's backing up, like, 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 and it gives me like a thumbs up as he's backing up. Like he's like, you know, like, 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 I'm like, kind of like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Wow. He comes back two more times that night, um, two 30 in the morning, four o'clock in the morning, um, coming by my cell. And you know, he can't, he's not going to certainly come back in at this point. Right. And, uh, doing like a, like a thumbs up, um, looking at me, like, are we cool? Um, at my door, mind you, he was not the officer in charge of my unit that night. He was in two a, I was, we were, we were, uh, uh housed in, in two B. Um, so it was clearly evident that he wanted to come by and, and, and threaten me, um, and hope that I would retaliate with violence so that I could possibly obtain another, another charge. Sure. So did that result in some type of early 
release or how, how did that how does that well that was just the, that so that was the first incident the second incident involved another officer uh, that was in our unit dandy um he was a uh he was just a corrections officer in the unit and he was in the unit and uh going around fell to fell and giving people a real hard time young younger younger guy and um he came by my cell and was had had some you know some 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 pretty fucked up things to say uh, made the motion, which he didn't realize he was doing on camera, um, up and down with his hand, um, telling me I was a fucking cracker and uh, and suck my dick, white boy, um, as he moved his hand up and down um, in front of his genital area. I I then pointed up to the camera and I said, "Man, you are one dumb dumb <laughs> son of a bitch." You know, um, he was he was he was uh, suspended for I believe like three months without pay. Um, after that incident. Because there was a sergeant on the unit while this happened, a sergeant or a lieutenant, I forget. Um, and I made it known. Um, I, I a, a lot of other people had seen it too, just like they had heard uh, um, and had witnessed the four officers go to my cell and open it that night. Um, everybody followed up with with uh, grievances um, and cop outs and write ups. Um, they then decided that uh, their best bet was to get rid of Scott Fairland. Um, they came 80 plus days, maybe 90 days. I think I was, I was shipped out. So I made it to DC. I was locked up January 22nd in Hudson County. I made it to DC March 16th of 2021. I was then shipped out of DC on January 29th of 2022. I went to Philadelphia. Um, I did 10 days in solitary there um, from Philadelphia. I went back down um, from New Jersey to, uh, and stopped at, well, I went to Harrisburg airport. Um, they really wanted to fuck with my mental there. They uh, had taken me off of the bus, put me on or bringing me on to con air um, the plane, their planes at the airport there. Uh, of course I was shackled black boxed everywhere. I went um, then decided to put me back on another bus um, to which I was driven from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, ultimately ending in North Carolina, but along the way stopping at every prison um, where where other inmates were were uh, were were, uh, were let go um, or sent you know sent to their 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 residency, so to speak. I was one of the last people on that bus, uh, one of three that remained that went to Butner Federal Institution. Um, I was not at the camp. I was not at the low. I was not at the one. I was at the medium high, which they called the, the deuce at the top of the hill. Um, and I was, I got there uh, June. Let's see. No, I was, I got there. Uh, shit. February the 10th. I then did another 14 days in their queue, um, their special housing unit, and then made it to the yard. Um, and was released from there June 8th of 2023. June 6th or June 8th of 2023. But, um, you know, what's, what I really want to talk about is uh, I should have been on earlier. I was, I was cleared by the warden, the assistant warden, the medical staff at Butner, and approved by the halfway house for one year of halfway house in Newark, New Jersey at Kintock. I received my halfway house packet and my acceptance letter while I was in Butner prison. 
Um, roughly two, three weeks before I was set to go to this halfway house, uh, Patrick McFarland from the Office of Medical Designation in Brooklyn, New York, uh, sent a letter to the warden um, and to everybody involved that I was uh, deemed uh, medically inappropriate for the halfway house, um, even though I was accepted and approved by my medical staff, right? Which I never, the medical staff, the, the, my oncologist, I never met them doctors until two weeks out that I, that I actually left, right? But here's the kicker. The American Disability Act states that you cannot deny an inmate programming based solely off a of disability, okay? My, my, my cancer being the reason that they said I was medically inappropriate, right? Mm-hmm. Cancer, cancer is considered a disability even when it's in remission. Clearly, I'm not. I take chemo every day, um, still to this day. Um, so that is a gross violation of the American Disabilities Act. I filed it while I was in North, uh, North Carolina through the Eastern District of North Carolina. I have yet to find somebody that will pick this lawsuit up for me. Um, it is cut and dry. Um, it clearly states in the American Disability Act um, uh, um, that cancer uh, is, is, is not uh, an excuse, so to speak, even when it's in remission. Um, I, I am self-carry medicated. I take four pills daily. I, ha- I kept my medication in my cell at all times while I was in prison. Um, so there was no reason that I could not go to a halfway house. They even went one step further in that and said I was, I was also not eligible for home confinement because my public safety factor, your, your PSF score, mine was the highest it could possibly, you could possibly have. It was a seven. Okay. I was, I was categorized with the likes of Jeffrey Dahmer, uh, the Unabomber who I was actually locked up with, who died the day after I left. Um, a PSF score of seven, but here's what they did. Here, here's the funny part. I had a low recidivism, so I was able to program and get an additional 15 days off for every 30 that I served after I did my one year. Right up free, not in any trouble. No, 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 no uh, demerits. Nothing. So, um, if I was such a threat to society, then why was I categorized as a low recidivism? Right. Yeah. If I was if I was so medically inappropriate for the halfway house, don't you think the halfway house would know? Why would they send me an acceptance letter? Why would they approve me? If I was so inappropriate for a halfway house, why would my medical staff deny, not? Why would they approve me and not deny me? So it was clearly political, uh, 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 politically uh, uh, based um, on that decision. So anybody that's listening to this and any help that you guys can provide for me, I'm looking for a civil. Uh, uh, a civil uh, um, uh, uh, attorney, a federal civil rights attorney to pick this up for me. Um, it's a long road ahead, but I have every single bit of documentation regarding this incident um, from caseworkers to, to nurses, to the oncologists, to, to still having the acceptance letter, the packet, to having a copy in the original from Patrick McFarland, um, it is cut and dry. It is a a, a, a a simple black and white case of 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 just straight up political discrimination, a two tier justice system, and 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 the targeting of January six political prisoners. Sure, and, and then that that that's exactly it. I mean, it sounds like they were giving you the the royal treatment, so to speak. You know, I mean, they're they're treating you like you're a mass murderer or something, uh, and 
considering they give you solitary, I mean, uh, what was the justification for solitary? And, you know, I don't mean to pick out a scab, but like, Jesus, man, what was that experience like? I've, I've heard horror stories about solitary confinement. Well, you know, they, they, they say it's a time for self-reflection, right? Well, my cell, uh, the window itself that, that looked out of, uh, of, of the jail, um, was, wasn't clear. It was completely fogged up. I'll remember, I remember having like an amber tint of rust, um, along with welded cross member, uh, bars across it. Um, my mirror, so to speak, was, uh, was not a mirror. It was so, uh, heavily scrapped and damaged that you couldn't really see yourself in the mirror. So I, I ultimately had to find, uh, uh myself, uh, um, and, and look inside. Um, myself and that's that's what led me um to reestablishing and really building my relationship with the lord up again um i put everything at his feet um asked for his guidance his wisdom uh to make the right decisions to not acquire another case while i was in there seriously um to 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 place his healing hand on me and keep me keep me healthy and strong um and to and, and to and to to really uh, uh to really refine me as a man I, and you know i uh ultimately this whole experience i i've been reforged um i've come out of this fire refined reforged you know, and um the impurities of life that led up until this moment you know i was i was on the wrong path um, but, uh, God, God used me that day. And, uh, I, I firmly believe in that, you know, I get a little emotional talking about it, Sure. but, uh, that was, this was all part of God's plan for me. And, uh, I am grateful. I'm grateful, you know, and, uh, so many people ask the question of like, Hey, you know, would you do it again? And, and I'd be such a selfish asshole to say, yeah, I'd do it again in a heartbeat. You know, I caused a, a lot of uh, a lot of pain for my family. Sure. Um, but my answer to that is a question. And the question is, uh, would you be willing to give up two and a half years of your freedom for eternal life through Christ? Sure. And uh, that, to me, is a no-brainer. Well, it also feels like your intentions going into that. Of course, you know, I'm not in your mind and I, I can only trust what you've told me so far. But uh, it sounds like your intentions were to try to, yeah, you know, try to restore some level of uh, responsibility within government. I mean, have some type of uh, formal election process that isn't rigged, you know, and I mean, there, there's a thousand things we go down the line of government being you know, corrupt and causing so much havoc and harm in, in society. It sounds like that's what you were initially going for was to try to support Trump, uh, try to, you know, stop the steal, as they say, and to, uh, you know, try to make things better in this country. And I think that's a noble intention, you know, regardless of what happened. So, I mean, obviously, you know, you know, the, what's that saying? Like the, the road to hell is paved with good intentions or whatever, but you still have to consider it, right? It's still part of the equation. And it sounds like, you know, you weren't going there uh, with thoughts of trying to harm anybody to, you know, bitch slap a police officer who hit you in the ribs or any of that stuff. So it sounds like, you know, and, and hopefully that played a part in some of your sentencing and, and 
perhaps maybe even getting out a little early, although it sounds like it was more health related than anything else. But uh, we no, I got out, I got out early because I programmed. I got out early because they weren't verifying my my high school diploma, so I took the GED course and got my GED in three weeks. Um, actually, two weeks. Um, I programmed my ass off. I was employed there um, at the prison, and uh, I programmed the whole time. So I ultimately got a lot of time off of my sentence for programming. It had nothing to do with my with my health. Um, gotcha. And on another on another note. Make no doubt about it. Trump made some decisions while he was president that I didn't agree with. I'm not just a Trump cheerleader. I don't follow people blindly. I was a business owner from New Jersey that had a gym um, that was told, you know, I needed to shut down. Um, Meanwhile, you know, uh, the, uh, the special needs children and clients of mine that relied on me that were severely autistic um, that relied on me, um, some nonverbal to train them every, every week. Um, you shut me down. Tell me I'm not essential, but that liquor store across the street is open. Right. No, 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 that's not, that's not how fucking things work. So I didn't agree with Trump on that. Um, and I had that, I voiced that opinion. I was one of the first people to hold protest in New Jersey. Ian Smith is a, is a good friend of mine. Um, and, uh, uh, I ultimately had the first protest that was on, you know, like CBS news and this and that and the other, but, uh, it, it was bullshit. Um, warp speed was bullshit. Um, I don't agree with it. Um, I didn't agree with the lockdown and I wanted to go down there and have my voice heard about that as well. So it, it wasn't just about, you know, stop the steal. Sure. That was ultimately, you know, part of it. Yeah. But, uh, who are you to tell people that, that they are non-essential? Anybody that works and provides for themselves their family those are well how do you tell somebody that a job that their job isn't fucking essential right. for, for their survival for their survival absolutely so i don't agree, i don't i don't agree with one bit of that shit yeah my apologies i wasn't trying to frame it in such like a narrow context my friend it's, no, it's, I, got, I got it i just wanted that to be known because sure. so many of us get get bottled up into this into this you know trump uh, uh, um, uh, um, you know, movement. Yeah. Our country needs him back without a doubt. And, um, you know, what he's going through is, is, is fucking nuts, right. but, um, make no doubt about it. Um, um, I'm not a blind follower. Um, I'm knowledgeable about, about the things that have occurred in our country, um, under Trump, before Trump and after Trump. Um, but there are things ultimately that, you know, and, and that's, what's great. A difference of opinion is what makes this country great. It really does. It really does. And that's why, you know, whether it be religion, politics, it, we should never have a system where, you know, we're being, you're, you're being silenced um, for, for voicing your opinion and your freedom of speech. You know, that's, that's a dangerous, dangerous road to go down. Um, it ultimately falls under communism, um, a dictatorship, and that's not what this country was founded on. Agreed. Well, you know, we are getting close to the wrap point here. Um, we should probably try to keep uh, this last question a little bit shorter. Um, but like, what changes would you like to see in our political system? Like, what what would you see? Like, what were you ultimately trying to protest against that day? Like, what would be a better path or a better vision for America? We need to start. We need to start with a, a better voting system. If your vote is going to count, it needs to be in-person voting, ID required. Um, I think that ultimately is 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 number one. Um, number two, since then, uh, which you could also you know 
put put up to a close number one is our border. This is absolutely insane right now. What's going on with our border? Yeah. Um, you know the the open floodgates um, and 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 the non vetting of these illegal immigrants. They're not migrants. They're illegal immigrants. Um, they need to be uh, um, held. Um, they need to be held accountable uh, for breaking the law. Ultimately, breaking the law. Um, we're not letting in. We're not letting in, in, in saints at this point. Uh, it's clear to see that the, these are people that are infiltrating our company, our, our, our country rather, um, and looking to do harm to, to, to our great country and our great nation. Um, there's, you know, it's, it's, it, it trickles down. It trickles down all the way down. But ultimately, I believe that uh, uh, the voting uh, um, needs to it needs to it needs to be completely reformed, completely reformed from top to bottom. Um, you know, you can't, uh, there's so many things you can't do in this country without a license, but, uh, you're able to vote for the future of our country without, without one. So, uh, ID, ID needs to be required for in-person voting. That's, that's a huge thing. Sure. And when you have states like, uh, California, you know, offering health insurance to undocumented immigrants, I think that's going to ruffle some feathers too, and, and cause some divide and, and some frustration for, you know, people who do pay their taxes and have been paying taxes their whole lives. So, I could certainly as our as our veterans lay on yeah, the sidewalk. Right, homeless. right, exactly. I, I, so I could certainly understand your point on that one, Scott. All right, free thinkers, this episode is nearing the end. We wanted to take this time to remind you: if you found value in this conversation, please consider hitting that like button and subscribing to the Free Thought Project podcast on your preferred platform of choice. It's an easy, no-cost way to support us and ensure you never miss an episode. Also, the Free Thought Project operates primarily on the generosity of our listeners. If you believe in our mission and support our cause, please consider donating or subscribing by going to the membership tab at the top of our website. Your contributions ensure we are able to continue our important work having these important conversations, and your donations help us do just that. Lastly, if you're part of an organization or own a business that aligns with our mission and values, we are currently inviting sponsorships for our podcast. This is a fantastic opportunity to promote your product or make your brand visible to our engaged audience while supporting meaningful discourse. Thank you for your support, Freethinkers, and as always, thank you for listening. Where can people follow you who want to follow you and uh, hear more of your story? I, I know you're on Instagram because that's where we connected, but uh, feel free to plug anything else and tell people where they could follow you. So uh, I, I'm on Instagram. I'm on Instagram. I'm not on Twitter. I'm not on Humble. I'm not on any of those other uh, um, um, social media sites. Sure. Um, you can follow me on Instagram. I, I post my podcasts up there that I've done with um, you know several different podcasts at this point. I'm uh, finalizing my book, and I'll hope you have you have me back on to promote yeah. that, um, sure. as well as some other things that are coming up in the future. But I have a book that'll be done, um, being written end of February. It'll be going off to publishing. The name of that will be Reforged. Um, it'll be told in the third person, um, and it it, it it will it will talk about my life, um, not just the events of that day, but the uh, you know the adversity and the dealing dealing with uh, uh, um, cancer. Um, personal loss on a, on a, on a tragic level for me, um, January 6th, um, there, each chapter of the book will tell a, a different story in my life. Um, and I, and I feel like it's, it's important for everyone, not just, you know, people, uh, uh, 
in the red, quote-unquote, red party, but also those on the left side of the aisle uh, who have had to overcome adversity or are looking for, for uh, some kind of motivation. Um, it is a book for everyone. Um, it shares my, my story and my, and my, my walk with God now. Um, as, as I believe that this country is no longer a fight versus red versus white or, or, or red versus uh, uh, blue, rather. Um, I don't believe it's Republican versus liberal, Democrat, whatever it is. I believe it's good versus evil at this point. And uh, that's where we're at right now. And I, I, I hope to expose more of the truths of January 6th that day. And um, that's it. man. I just really appreciate you guys giving me the platform to share this story. There's, a, there's more to come um, regarding the, the events of that day. Absolutely, brother. Hey, Matt, you got anything else or should we wrap this? Oh, man, I, I really, uh, really appreciate you sharing everything like that with us, man. I know it was uh, it's kind of difficult to relive that and I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can imagine. As long as I get the truth out, I'll do it day in and day out. Well, congrats on the book, brother. We'll definitely uh, keep an eye out for that. And, um, you know, we appreciate you joining us today to share your side of the story and Thanks for reaching out to me to set up this interview. You know, after hearing your side, I could certainly understand why you'd want to share more and be actively reaching out to, you know, different podcasts to clear your name. So thank you for your time today and uh, keep fighting the good fight, my friend. Amen, brother. Likewise, and uh, God bless you both.